0: Good morning. 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 And I would say on this Sunday, it really feels like morning. (laughs) But we want to acknowledge to our Father and our God in heaven that we are grateful for all of his love, mercy, and blessings. Uh, It is our privilege, whatever the hour of the day may be, to be able to come together and to thank God for his goodness and to praise him for his being. Uh, God is ever-present, he is ever-faithful, and he is ever-loving. He is all of that and so much more. Uh, He is all that we need and more than we deserve. His ears are open to our prayers and his hand upholds us in the way. God is good to us, and he gives us peace. Uh, The psalmist declares in Psalm 4, verse 8, he says, I will both lay me down in peace and sleep, for thou, Lord, only makest me dwell in safety. And for all of God's blessings, we ought to be eternally grateful. We want to direct your attention uh, again to John chapter 11, uh, this is the same text that we considered uh, last Sunday. We want to look again there uh, at the same uh, two verses that we principally considered uh, on last Sunday. Uh, there in John chapter 11, verse number 21. Then said Martha unto Jesus, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. And again, in verse 32, then when Mary was come to where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying unto him, Lord, if thou hadst been here, my brother had not died. Based on the account relayed to us by the Apostle John, uh, we want to use this morning as a subject, if you had been here. And as we consider the text that we have before us here in John chapter 11, uh, Mary and Martha have suffered a severe loss. Their brother Lazarus had died. And for those of us that have experienced the loss of a loved one, uh, you appreciate that that's a unique kind of pain. And pain can lead you to an emotionally susceptible state, a state where you feel like God could have or should have done more than he did. Now, now when we feel like that, that's pain talking. Uh, We know in our more lucid moments that whatever God does is right, and God is always right in all that he does and in all that he allows, but, but sometimes pain will take you to a place where uh, you're just of uh, a frame of mind that you might not be otherwise. You know, we sometimes question the inevitable. Uh, since we messed up in Eden, everybody dies. And we sometimes question the deserved. Every time we suffer, we are not innocent victims. Sometimes we are getting the just deserts of our actions. But when we look at John chapter 11, both sisters make a statement. Their statement infers if you had been here, you could have changed the situation. If you had been here, the outcome would be different. That word, if, is worthy of consideration. From a grammatical consideration, if is a primary particle of conditionality. I didn't know a little word could have so much meaning to it. It is a subordinate conjunction. Its purpose is to make one statement dependent upon another. How big is the word if? I submit to you that if is a small word that speaks volumes. See, if can speak to regret. Have you ever made the statement, if I had known then what I know now? Doesn't the word imply that life would be very different if? It presupposes that, you know, if you know better, you'll do better. And if you know anything about humanity, that's not a given. Many times we know better, but don't do better. But if I had known then what I know now, if can speak to uncertainty, we can make some real progress if we don't experience any more setbacks. Well, who is able to anticipate setbacks? They come from seemingly out of nowhere, and many times we are powerless to do anything about them. If can speak to unwillingness, I will help you move if it's not too cold. Well, that's all dependent on your subjective definition of what too cold is. See, if it's 50 degrees, then in my estimation, 60 is too cold. And if it's 70 degrees, then in my estimation, 75 may be too cold. But but you see the idea with the word if. The, the word if reminds us that there are conditions to be met before a particular event can take place. And for all that we talk about this word if, that there are some ifs in the Bible that demand our attention. In, in John 14, verse 15 Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. From from God's perspective, uh, obedience and submission are are indicators and demonstrations of love. In in John 13, verse 35, Jesus said, by this shall all men know that you are my disciples, if you have love one to another. It, It doesn't matter what you profess yourselves to be. It's what you demonstrate in the sight of the world that will convince them that you are what you say you are. In John 8, verse 31, Then said Jesus to those Jews which believed on him, If you continue in my word, then are you my disciples indeed. And in John 8, 31, we find that being a disciple of Jesus is not based on my self-profession but on whether or not I will obey the commands of the master. In 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17, uh, Paul says, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature, all things are passed away, and behold, all things are become new. In Romans 8, verse 31, uh, Paul says, "What uh, What shall we say then to these things? If God be for us, Who can be against us if God be for us? Now, now it's not a given that he is, but, but if God is for us, who can stand against God? But we have before us this morning in John 11, verse 21 and verse 32, the declaration of Mary and Martha, if you had been here. And it's easy to see in retrospect Uh, where Martha and Mary lack. It's always easier to be an expert in somebody else's affairs than it is in my own. Uh, You know, we listen to other people and then we come back and offer expert commentary on what they say. But could you do what they do? If I'm an expert in critical analysis, what if somebody critically analyzes me? The real challenge I submit to you is seeing God as present in our own times of trial and trouble. Not being an expert in what Mary and Martha should have thought or or should have done, but, but how do I react when trial and trouble find me? I submit to you that intellectually we know that God is omnipresent. You know, I'm sure we've read Psalm 139, where, where, where the psalmist asks, Whither shall I flee uh, uh, from thy presence? And, and you remember, he said that there's nowhere you can go to get away from God. If I go to the bottom of the sea, God is there. If I go to the grave, God is there. That there's nowhere you can go to get away from God. Intellectually, I believe we know that. But do I embrace this fact to the point that it is my comfort when I'm tried? When we read John chapter 11, I pray that we are indelibly impressed with the fact that through all of the drama, God was at work. Now, nobody else may have known what was going on but God, but God was at work. And if only one person knows something, God is the one that needs to know. When we look at John chapter 11... Uh, We can look at the example of Mary and Martha and and, and learn some things from them. Uh, Back up with me, if you will, to verse number 14. Before Jesus ever gets to Mary and Martha, he's talking with his own disciples. and, And in John 11, verse 14, Then said Jesus unto them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I was not there, to the intent that you may believe Nevertheless, let us go unto him. Now, remember, Mary and Martha had a plan. And their plan was to send messengers to Jesus and say, get here quick. Because if you get here before Lazarus dies, then everything will be all right. But but Jesus is already in conversation about Lazarus. Lazarus is dead. Now, he's dead, but he's not going to stay dead. But the thing about it is, I knew he was going to die even before he died. And and what you all need to appreciate, is, you may think things are news to me. But but see, you never let God know anything. When we look at John chapter 11, I I submit to you that Mary and Martha, as do we, fail to understand uh, the profundity of God's purpose. Now, that's me trying to use the Queen's English rather than drop a big word on you. I I, I could have said the profoundness of of God's purpose, but but the Queen's English dictates that you use the form of the word profundity there. Uh, They fail to understand the profoundness of God's purpose. What we need to remember is that God always operates at a higher level than we do. And when I say that, he operates higher intellectually and higher spiritually than we do. We are not suited to think with God. Whoever has a thought that is different from God's and their thought is superior to God's? Now, I know we think contrary to God sometimes, but have you ever thought superior to God? God always operates at a higher level than we do. Mary and Martha's plan is get here quick, but God is operating at the level. I'm going to raise Lazarus, bless you, Mary and Martha, bless my own disciples, and bless a number of onlookers and even some folk that are not alive at this time. That's God operating at a higher level. And what we need to appreciate as we travel through life is that God's primary purpose is not making us happy, but enabling us to be holy. You know, I think sometimes we take the approach to life that, 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 that somehow is God's job or God's obligation to do what I want him to do, to, to do the things that are going to spare me any heartache or sorrow. But in your Bibles, in 1 Peter 1, verses 15 and 16, Peter declares, But as he which hath called you is holy, So be ye holy in all manner of conversation, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. And and, and that word holy is is about much more than memorizing scripture. You know, you can memorize scripture and still not be holy. And and when I read the Bible account, the devil has a good good knowledge and a good understanding of scripture. But I, I dare say he doesn't fall into the category of being holy. You know, most times when the devil shows up in the Bible, in one way or another, he, he quotes scripture or at least refers to it. You know, how well do you know the Bible when you talk to Jesus and quote scripture? Now, now you know, if you're going to quote scripture to God, you sure no better think you know what you're talking about. When we talk about being holy, being holy is about taking on the character of God. And, and what we need to remember when we go through life We could have some ifs for God, but God could have some ifs for us. You remember Job wanted to question God. Why am I going through what I'm going through? And God said to Job, well, since you want to ask me some questions, let me ask you some. Well, Well, what if God decided to do the same thing to us? You have some ifs. Well, let me present you with some ifs. If you stop trying to take matters into your own hands, Do you know how different your life would be if you would talk to me other than when you need something or want something? Do you know how much better our relationship would be if you would stop relegating me to a couple of hours on Sunday? Do you know what I could really do in your living? We might have ifs at some time, but what if God decided to ask us if and appreciate that life is God's proving ground? See, God allows sometimes what he allows because he's trying to help us be better us's. Some things just can't be fully appreciated by sitting in Bible class or worship. There are some things that I need to learn uh, because I have some experience with them. You know, I I can read the Bible and read that God is a provider and God is a deliverer. And and, and at that moment, I have an intellectual understanding. But but Paul said, I want to know God. See, not just know facts about God. I, I want to know God. Well, well, Paul, how do you get to know God? The same way you get to know a person. I, I need to have some experience and some personal interaction with them. If I really want to know God as a provider and a deliverer, guess what I need God to do? I need him to provide and deliver me. Well, what does that mean then? It, it means I need to go through a valley and have God bring me out. Now I have some experience with God. See, experience means I know God on a deeper level than just what the intellect says. I know some things about people intellectually that I've never met in my life. If I know your name, intellectually, I know something about you. Now, I may not know you as a person, but intellectually speaking, I know something about you. Well, Paul said, I don't just wanna know facts about God. I want to have some experience with God, but appreciate if I'm going to have some experience with God, then I've got to be willing to walk by faith because we never appreciate, we never understand the profoundness of God's purpose. Some lessons are learned outside the classroom. But then looking further there in John chapter 11, in verse number 22, after Martha gives her if, She says, but I know that even now, whatsoever thou wilt ask of God, God will give thee. And as great a declaration of faith as this is, Martha still doesn't see the entire picture. And I submit to you further that Mary and Martha, as do we, fail to appreciate the magnitude of God's power. Now, mind you, the magnitude of God's power is just beyond us. There are some things that God does that we just accept because God saved. When you read Genesis 1 verse one, "In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth." That's a profound demonstration of power. And when you read Genesis 1, God brings all this to pass simply by speaking let there be, and there was. We don't understand how God brings something from nothing, and then that that all he has to do is just speak it into existence. Now, I accept it. I know that it happened as if I was there, but I don't understand how you do that. I don't understand how you make something from nothing. But we would do well to uh, uh, embrace that God's capability extends beyond our reason ability. And I meant that to be two words. His capability extends beyond our reason ability. See, God can undo what has been done and he can do what cannot be done. One of the big mistakes we make sometimes is trying to reason with God. And I'm not saying that God doesn't make sense. I'm not saying that there are some things about God that can't be understood. But I'm saying that if my experience with God extends only to what I can understand, then there's going to be a very limited relationship with God because God is greater than my reason ability. And if we read the Bible and pay attention to what we read, and if we look in our lives, uh, there is a profound demonstration of God's power. Uh, in your Bibles, in Ephesians chapter 1, and verses 19 and 20, uh, uh, the apostle declares, And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us who believe, according to the working of his mighty power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places? Now, now I want Ephesians one nineteen and 20 to work in conjunction uh, uh, with Ephesians 3, verse 20. Paul says, Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think, according to the power that worketh in us. Now, now pay attention to what Paul says here. God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think. God can do more than I ask, God can do greater than my reason ability. I can't have a relationship with God. Based on my reason ability solely. God is greater than my ability to reason. But the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that stood up in the nothingness of eternity and said, Let there be, Paul wants us to appreciate that's the same power that God uses to work in us today. Well, that just transcends our ability to understand. But what it ought to say to us is that there are no limitations when you deal with the almighty God. And God's strength comes from himself. His self-ability is greater than our ability to ask or to think. And then third this morning, uh, uh, back there in, in John chapter 11, in verse 25 and verse 26... Jesus said unto her, I am the resurrection and the life. He that believeth in me, though he were dead, yet shall he live. And whosoever liveth and believeth in me shall never die. Believest thou this? I submit to you third this morning that Martha and Mary, as do we, uh, fail to consider the depth of God's love. See, although Jesus delayed, he didn't tarry in vain. See, Jesus wasn't waiting because he was doing something he wanted to do before he tended to something that needed to be tended to. See, Jesus understood there's a greater purpose here than just sparing you all some tears. I I wonder how often in life we take into consideration God is doing something that is greater than just me. The, the, the existence of humanity is not about the own little space that I occupy. My life is intertwined with the lives of others, and God loves the world. And to appreciate from God's perspective that sometimes joy is preceded by sorrow. In 1 John 4, verses 9 and 10 in your Bibles, John declares, And this was manifested the love of God toward us. Because that God sent his only begotten son into the world, that we might live through him. Herein is love, not that we love God, but that he loved us and sent us to be the propitiation for our sins. You don't think what Jesus went through didn't cause the father some sorrow. You don't think it caused Jesus some sorrow. But see, it was about bigger, something bigger than just sorrow. Yeah, there's going to be sorrow initially, but it's going to lead to joy and salvation. Did you ever stop to consider in our lives, there might be some tears right now, but God is at work doing something bigger than just the tears of the moment. Sometimes joy is preceded by sorrow. God is going to bless us through whatever it is that we go through. He calls us by the gospel to be his children because God has a better idea. He calls us by the preaching of the gospel message. He requires that we hear the good news that Jesus died for our sins, that he was buried and raised on the third day for our justification. He requires that we believe Jesus to be the Christ, the son of God that we be willing to turn from sin, confess faith in Jesus as the Christ and Savior, and be willing to be baptized in water for the remission of sins. And when we go down into the waters of baptism, God washes away our sins and dwells us with his spirit and adds us to the body. And the expectation and the command after we are baptized is that we will live obediently and glorify God through the lives that we live. Perhaps you're here this morning, you want to respond to the invitation, or you want the church to pray for you. And if either of these are the case, then we bid you to come as we stand, and as we sing the song of invitation.